Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by my company, Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com. Well, today we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics right now, and that's the office market. Obviously, there's been a lot of disruption. We're still recovering from this pandemic. A lot of the big companies are not back in their offices or they're slowly getting back uh, in the office. What is that doing to the office market? How's the office market performing? What are cap rates doing? What are rates doing? What's it mean for the office sector moving forward? Please welcome my guest. It's David Kahn. He's Director of Market Analytics with CoStar. He's joining us in Studio One. David, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Michael. Well, David, let's start with the, the country overall. I know different markets are, are reacting uh, differently, but where are we on occupancy levels in the office market today as compared to uh, when we were partying like it was uh, 2019? 2019, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're up about 300 basis points since uh, around uh, pre-COVID, right before the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. So that accounts for about 150 million square feet of negative net absorption since then. So obviously unprecedented numbers, firms, looking to downsize, shed some space, sublet availability is up to around 200 million square feet, which is 80 million above where we were pre-COVID. Mm. Um, but one thing I will say is the vacancy rate overall of about 12.5%, it's still below where we were at the great financial crisis and below the dot-com bubble as well. Yeah. So despite some of these negative headlines and some of the negative absorption that we've seen, you know, we're still not quite to that, that level, yeah. um, but we'll see. Yeah. What about the amount of sublease space? I mean, it really skyrocketed. Uh, what are you seeing lately? Lately, the pace of sublet availabilities has actually slowed. So we're up to about 200 million, as I mentioned. Um, that's up from uh, eight, up about 80 million compared to this time last year or pre-COVID. Uh, but that increase has started to slow a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, we're not seeing firms just put a ton of space that some firms have actually taken back some sublet space, some of that turning over to the landlord becoming relet space, mm -hmm. but really seems like the situation has stabilized from at least the sublet market so far. Um, still 200 million square feet is a pretty big concern for the, for the country as a whole. And that should weigh on, on the market for, for at least a few more quarters, probably a few more years. Yeah. What about rental rates? Uh, what's the impact there? So overall, rents have been relatively flat. Um, our asking rent series doesn't take into consideration TI's concessions. So from an asking rent perspective, we're actually pretty stable right now. Now, a few markets like San Francisco, New York, hey, have seen asking rents fall, but most markets are right around flat or a little bit positive, a little bit negative. Um, what we usually see when it comes to offices because of how leases are structured, you won't see rents fall until leases start to really churn over over the next few years. Yeah. So it really hasn't baked in the, the effects of the market just yet. And we'll start to see that if we do see more of an impact on rents, we'll start to see that over the next few quarters, the next few years, as long as leasing activity remains relatively subdued. Yeah. And I think that's the kind of the big question my audience may have uh, for, for us <laughs> or for you uh, as the expert. Uh, is, is what's the future like at the office market? You know, is, 
how long does it take uh, the market to recover, and are there certain uh, cities and markets that could take longer? Well, the big leading indicator that we use is leasing activity, right? You sign a lease, you usually don't move in for a few more quarters or even a few more years. So what we track is just the overall number of leases in the market. And right now we're up a little bit in Q2 compared to the previous quarters, but we're still well below that pre-COVID level. So we don't expect to see absorption really hit that critical mass of pre-COVID levels until we start to get leasing activity back up to those uh, pre-COVID norms. Uh, market to market, it is across the board essentially. Most markets are seeing firm shed space, are seeing an increase in sublet availability. You know, you do see some green shoots uh, here or there. You do see some big leases in certain markets, but uh, all in all, it's still relatively subdued in terms of a leasing environment. And you know, that, that portends to pretty slow uh, next few quarters from a net absorption perspective. Yeah, and it seems like um, some cities kind of reacting to this differently, right? If you told me uh, I could get in my car and, and work in Atlanta and, and go, to, go to work and have, you know, 1,000 square feet per person, I'm like, you count me in. But if you said, Michael, get on the subway <laughs> and, uh, and crowd in with a lot of people uh, and then get in 150 square feet per person, I may be a little reluctant to go back. As, what, is, what do you expect for a big cities like New York and Chicago for uh, return to the office and then the impact on the market, the office market? Well, the, the thing is with return to office, it's almost like every person has their own opinion, every firm has their own plan, mm -hmm. uh, and those firms, as you see, some tech firms are walking back what their return to office uh, plans were or pushing it forward. Uh, a lot of what we're hearing is the target date, Labor Day, post-Labor Day, to get back to at least some kind of a, a few days in the, in, of the week in, back in the office. But again, that seems to change uh, you know, at, the, at the drop of a hat. Overall, from, from really a, a broader perspective, vaccination rates rising really does portend to getting people back into the office at least a few times a week, returning to normal. You know, we talk about the tax base, all those restaurants in downtown areas or suburban areas that rely on office uh, foot traffic it's really important to get people back in there and uh, you know just get back to normal because we've been, we've been living this uh, kind of bizarro world life for the past year and a half and I feel like everyone's just kind of re ready to get back to some sort of normalcy. So some of the headlines I've read that uh, office is dead, the big <laughs> cities, it's always going to be work from home, it, it, so it's not dead. No, it's not. <laughs> and and a lot of those headlines and and you know we we, we kind of joke about it, you know you like to cherry pick, uh, you know, is there going to be more rural or total, total remote work? You know, generally, um, you know, you see those anecdotes out there, maybe in the mainstream media, but if you actually look at the data and you look at what firms are trying to do, they're being selective about the space that they're trying to forego or sublet. It's not this big mass migration to uh, remote work. It's a few firms here or there. Maybe they're testing things out. Maybe you know they're putting some space up for sublet or bringing it back. Um, they're trying to figure out what they can do, and a lot of that is listening to their workforce. What do they want to see? Do they want to be pure remote work, or do they want to be more of a, a flexible work? Um, do they want to have a more hub-and-spoke type environment, or do they want everyone downtown? And those are the types of decisions that will play out over the next few years as these leases uh, turnover. Yeah. And you mentioned suburban and, and CBD. Are you seeing anything, the numbers to show uh, 
any of this really happening? Are, is the, are the suburban markets doing better than they were? Not necessarily. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that would surprise a lot of people. Leasing activity in urban and suburban areas ha have been pretty pretty uh, equal when it comes to versus pre-COVID. It's pretty much down everywhere. Yeah. Uh, one thing I will say, though, is if you look at multifamily rents, they were down significantly in the downtown urban areas, and now they're way up this year. So mm -hmm. to me, that speaks to people wanting to get back down to the, to the downtown, to the urban live, work, play type environments. And you know the middle word there, live, work, play, people are expecting to eventually go back to work while during COVID they were able to either move back home or move out to the suburbs for a little bit more space. People are starting to realize they wanna get back to that urban environment. Sometimes they can get a better deal now that rents fell last year. But the fact that land, multifamily landlords are raising rents at an impressive pace in suburbs and in the urban areas, it's a sign to me that that demand for the urban living and part of that working in an urban area is still certainly compelling for, for many people. Yeah. And I think a lot of people in the office sector um, that like to buy opportunistic properties thought there might be some opportunities. <laughs> uh, what are you seeing on, on sales transactions today? So deal volume in Q2 so far, we're tracking about 15 billion worth, worth of deals in the second quarter. That's likely to rise as we uh, find out about some more deals and there's about a week to go as of uh, right now. Uh, but that is down from Q1. It's also down from Q4 when deal volume was a little bit back to normal. So the overall, when we're looking at it from, from a sales perspective, no one's selling at a discount. Very few distressed sales, if any out there. Um, and a lot of these well-leased, well-located properties are still selling for a premium. And uh, you know, companies who are looking to to invest in office, you know, they're willing to pay a premium for that that really high-end product. Yeah, yeah. And I, I sell office buildings. I lead a team that does that, and we're seeing the same thing. We're seeing cap rates uh, equal to what they were before, and in some cases a little bit compressed. Is there a lot of uh, capital in the market? You know, looking for opportunities, um, but. Uh, I guess if you have a good bit of vacancy, you probably don't want to sell right now, right? So it's only the maybe the top line properties, uh, the higher price, lower cap rate things that are selling. If if you don't have to sell, why would why would you sell right now, right? Yeah. In, in a lot of cases, yeah. um, and and really a lot of those well well leased properties, credit tenants mm -hmm. who, are, who are on a long term deal, you know, you can essentially equate that to to a long term high yielding pond. In, in many cases, you know, we like to throw that out, but um, you know, even as you mentioned, some some more value add type properties, if you can get that at a, at a discount in an area where you know strong demographics, maybe there's some net migration, maybe there's some strong population growth, you might see some organic growth in, in those smaller businesses that fill those types of areas. Um, that could be a potential play. And we hear that institutional capital. Um, that used to only want to look at the primary cities, the really big markets, are now more interested in secondary markets, you know, like Atlanta, like Austin, cities like that. Are you seeing that in your numbers? We are, with a caveat of it's more of there's such a decline in deal volume in the in the gateway markets okay. that relative sense, the secondary tier two, tier three markets have seen an increase relative to the decrease in you know, your San Francisco's in New York. Um, but when you do look at, you know, quote, tier two or tier three markets, if we consider Atlanta a tier two market, 
you know, we could argue about that. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, feeling more comfortable, a lot of these firms deploying capital in areas with strong demographics, strong educational institutions, which is huge because where are firms recruiting from? They're coming right for the top high-end schools and the most highly educated workforce and the places that can attract and retain that workforce. And that, throughout COVID, even with COVID, that's gonna be a huge, huge impact on what office users, where they're gonna be locating and where they're gonna be looking to expand. Yeah. So are the trends and demographics happening today surprising to you or normal or, I mean, a lot of people ex say that people are moving out of the cities and moving <laughs> to the suburban markets or moving to states that uh, uh, have no taxes or less taxes. Are, are you seeing that in your numbers? Looking at the most recent census trends, mm -hmm. we actually was a little surprising that the 2020 numbers were essentially in line mm -hmm. with the past few years. Mm -hmm. Uh, there was no mass migration uh, to sp specific metros. It's just we've seen that Sunbelt migration for, for decades and really over the past five years, the most recent numbers were, were essentially in line with that. Um, what we did, what we have seen is a little bit more of a migration to suburbs, but that's likely temporary just due to, due to COVID. And now with these rent trends I was talking about, people are flooding back into the urban areas uh, pretty quickly right now, pretty, pretty strong net absorption that we've seen there for multifamily, pretends to, to a more robust live work play environment in a lot of downtown areas. Yeah, and tell me if this is true. It sounds like, it seems like the economy is in a really good trajectory right now and that things are looking really positive. Is that going to have an impact on the office market? I mean, it, sh it should help, right? Well, rising tide lifts all boats, right? <laughs> right, right. And uh, you know, with with all the fiscal stimulus that helped us get through the crisis, with all the help, the assistance from the Fed, uh, we are in a good spot economic-wise. And the question is, how long is this boom going to to last, and how strong is this boom going to be? It, it's not an if; it's a when, right? Or yeah. how long it will happen. So yeah. that's that's a pretty unique spot to be in compared to the past ten years when. You know, economic growth from 2010 to, to last year was very slow and plodding and steady. So, yeah, there's absolutely upside there when it comes to the overall economy. If we do see that big growth and we do see a big surge in office using employment, perhaps that could create or lead to more, more office demand, even with uh, companies looking to shed space or become a little bit more flexible with their uh, in-office environments. Yeah. The square footage per person in the office market for years has been declining. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and on this show, as, as Bob's interviewing people for the last several years, um, I said, look, I don't think that's going to last. I don't think that's healthy. I don't think that's right. I think, well, if you've got a, a great, uh, you know, a poor job economy, people just looking for jobs, maybe you can squeeze them in. This pandemic, people are more health sensitive now. What do you expect for square footage per person are you guys looking at that potentially uh, rising or staying the same as people start to renew leases and get people back in the offices i think that's that's a potential trend that we could see i think it's a little early to tell but i think the main factor there is people firms really listening to their workforces now both in terms of location the types of assets that they're looking to lease that they're looking to be in um, but also within that property safety concerns, hot desk versus having your own uh, actual office, and being sensitive to each individual's concerns because you know, that's 
been a huge factor since COVID, uh, at least at least what we've seen like recently. Probably a little bit too early to tell uh, whether that trend will reverse itself, but labor has, is in the ascendant right now, um, whether it's the minimum wage jobs, which you see outside, they're posting the $500 signing bonuses for, for Wendy's or McDonald's, uh, but that works its way up to white collar labor as well. And if people uh, don't want that type of situation, they want a little bit more space, they want to have the option to work in a suburb or to work from home maybe once or twice a, a week or once or twice a month, that's gonna be something that firms will need to react to. And that could have an impact on, on space requirements. Yeah. You know, the, the safety, if you lead a big company, you know, like here, we're close to, uh, really close where we office here in Atlanta to UPS and mm -hmm. Mercedes-Benz headquarters. And as I look at their buildings, they look pretty empty <laughs> right now. But when I look at some of the smaller tenants um, and some of the office buildings and properties that we sell, they're very vibrant. Uh, and, and they're using their space at these smaller offices, at least from, from my broker point of view. Uh, are you seeing that in any of your numbers, uh, that the, the larger spaces, are, they're just not coming back yet, or maybe the smaller ones they are? Well, we have seen at the, the C-class, the one and two star type properties have seen vacancies stay relatively flat. Um, a lot of that is likely due to a lot of those being owner occupied. So your smaller businesses, you know, they're, they're gonna go in if they have four or five employees or, or up to 10 or, or, or what have you. Um, when it comes to you know, low rise buildings versus high rise, logistics, logistically, it's a lot easier to have people in when you don't have to worry about elevators during a pandemic. You know, now that we're start in the transition mode back to that and people are getting vaccinated, uh, we're likely to see people start to fill back into those, those high rise offices and, and the big, big office uh, like a Mercedes-Benz, like a State Farm down the road. Well, it seems like if you've got thousands and thousands of employees uh, and you're getting people back in the office and some of those people do not want to get vaccinated uh, and then maybe somebody gets uh, COVID and, and passes, what a PR nightmare. I mean, even if you, the employees want to get back and the companies want them back, uh, is that one of the reasons that some of these companies just uh, are maybe afraid to, to get people back together? And how can they, it seems like if I had a big company, I'd like, I want to tell everybody, hey, you can come back, but only if you're vaccinated. <laughs> and then you got people like, oh, good, well, I didn't want to come back. I like working on my PJs. I'm not getting vaccinated. What's the answer? <laughs> I, th I think a lot of it, first of all, I don't envy any of those decision makers for sure. Um, I think a lot of it is what, what's best for, for the company and, and looking at individuals. And each individual is different. They have their own uh, predetermined uh, notions of certain things, and you have to be sensitive of that to an extent. But you know, at the end of the day, if, if you're working in an office and you were before COVID, that's a compelling reason to get back to the office um, after a, a pandemic's over and there's a, a vaccine that's safe and effective that's, that's in circulation. And, quite easy to get. So I, I don't, I don't envy those decision makers at all. <laughs> um, but you know, the sooner that we can get back to, to normalcy, I think the better for, for everyone. Yeah. Well, and I told my people at my office that look, uh, you're welcome back. We'd like you back. And if you're vaccinated for sure, if you're not vaccinated then we'd like you back, but in the common areas, we want you to wear a mask. 
Uh, and uh, I don't know, that, that, those are some tough decisions. And I would tell anybody out there, my opinion, get vaccinated. Come on, <laughs> let's get everybody back. I've, I had COVID, it wasn't that bad for me. Uh, it was a couple of days of being really tired. Uh, but then I've had both you know, the, the vaccines and uh, it's liberating. Uh, you can go out and live your life. Uh, do it right. It's a different feeling to get back in the office. Oh, I mean, I wonderful. feel I feel like and to, yeah. to work and to meet with your colleagues in person. It's yeah. uh, you know you feel like you're in a little bubble when you're in on Zoom. I think we all have that same feeling. Yeah. And this is a lot a lot different than yeah. doing this over Zoom, in, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, we we deal with a lot of uh, we've been pretty active during COVID, and when we deal with companies with work from home people the inefficiency is just crazy. And then we deal with people that are in the office and it's not like, oh, well, let me see if I can get a Zoom appointment on their <laughs> calendar. Well, you, you can't get them because they're watching Netflix at home, and, you know, <laughs> but you're dealing with another company where everybody's in the office and, oh, let me check with John. Oh yeah, we've got it, we're done, we can move forward. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, when companies have the option to deal with companies that are working from home and. And the, you know, you're going to want to, in my opinion, want to work with companies that are working more efficiently and more effectively. And I think the top line and bottom line numbers are going to be impacted and people are going to want to get back in the office. And I also think we're people, right? We, mm. we want to be together. We'd like to have another place to go. We've been uh, confined for too long. We want to get out and, have, and, and meet people. And, and then look, if you care about your career, you know, the people who tend to rise up in their companies and their careers are visible. They're around the leadership, right? They're, they're seen uh, and they're learning and they're, so they're, they're advancing their career. Uh, so I think when it comes to productivity, culture, efficiency, uh, recruiting, uh, retention, uh, growth, uh, security, uh, do you want people working from wherever? with all your company's information sitting there on their laptop. I think there's a lot of reasons that the office market, in my mind, comes back. Uh, but, you know, I saw office buildings. I may just be rooting for the home team, right? No, I, I, think, I think a lot of it in the way that I would look at it is inertia, mm -hmm. right? Something in motion wants to stay in motion, something that still wants to stay still. Well, a lot of people who've been working at home, they feel like they can, they can do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, work, do the remote work, but once once you get back to the office, and we were talking about this before, it feels different. You feel more productive. Uh, mm -hmm. I personally feel more productive getting back to the office, and I, I don't want to go back to, to remote work. So I think a lot of it is uh, once people do get back in, whether it's the Labor Day or the end of the year, once the childcare situation is is figured out, and and schooling, school age children as well is a huge factor. Um, once we get back to normal through the second half of the year, what we're looking for is how much of that is going to translate into that leasing activity, into the leasing volume. Um, one thing also is, you know, if you look at LoopNet search activity, so our marketing platform, that's up compared to last year, about 25% uh, nationwide. So if you look that as a leading indicator for leases, leases as a in leading indicator for demand, hopefully that will lead to, to a little bit more activity when it comes to the, the leases and, and transaction perspective. Because yeah. if you're searching for space, there's a pretty good chance that you'll actually uh, lease that space or, or buy or sell. Right, and the tenant reps that we have here uh, are seeing a big uptick in activity mm -hmm. and they're, they're very busy. 
where they were a little slow in 2020. Yeah. They're very busy again, so another leading indicator, right? Well, David, sure. great information. Thank you for joining us, sir. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate you uh, being on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right. And thank you for joining us around the country. Oh, we appreciate uh, you sharing the show, commenting, uh, rating us, whatever you like to do. You can also subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast or YouTube or even on CREshow.com. So until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Buxton. Take leasing, site selection, and due diligence to the next level. Make the right decisions with on-demand mobile data. Visit BuxtonCo.com. By Bull Realty. For proven commercial real estate asset and occupancy solutions, contact me. My email is Michael at BullRealty.com. By Commercial Agent Success. Expert level commercial real estate broker training. Cloud Access 1, up to 21 one-hour videos. Visit CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Thank you for reviewing, subscribing, and sharing America's commercial real estate show.